0: Welcome back to Following Know It On, a Stormlight podcast. This is the podcast where I pretend to not know anything about the future of Stormlight, and I try to keep my mouth shut while Paul and Elliot are... Trying to weasel it out of you? Yeah, try to, yeah. Tr- try to wade their way through uh, Words of Radiance at the moment. And I try to not talk about anything I just learned in Rhythm of War, which I just read. So we'll, we'll see how this so you're going to have your hands full. We'll fun. see how this episode goes. Yeah. Uh <laughs> This week we're doing chapters 17 through 21, it's this is episode 29. Uh Elliot, how are, how are you feeling?
1: Feeling pretty good, feeling pretty good. Doing doing my level best to stay away from Rhythm of War spoilers as as much as I possibly can. Shout out to all you guys out there just reading Rhythm of War. I'm excited for all you guys. By my calculations, I'll catch up to you guys in about 13 months give or take give or take
2: uh paul how are you feeling i'm feeling real good uh looking forward to uh these chapters i i enjoyed reading them uh i'm also looking forward to eventually getting to rhythm of four i also have been like voiding twitter and things like that for the most part uh because if something got spoiled now, right, for the book that just came out, I'd be, I'd be kind of heartbroken. I'll be honest, I'd be very heartbroken, actually. So
0: yeah, totally understandable. What I just want to get a prediction down here, real quick. You guys know that The Way of Kings and Words of Radiance are both in-world books in in the Stormlight Archive. What do you guys think Rhythm of War is? I just want to hear your thoughts, because I'm sure you guys have thought about this at least a little bit, right? Because you've heard the titles, you know what the titles are so far. What do you think Rhythm of War is?
2: We we oh. had this discussion briefly before, I think. I, we talked about Oathbringer was the first mm-hmm. mention of that, because right. it's Dalinar's Sword. Um, my guess was that it's literally like pertaining to the rhythm of war, like is a full-on war going at the time? And okay. maybe it has to do with the Parshendi and their their rhythmic lives.
1: If, if you'd asked before we read the recent interludes that we did where we got to see a bit of point of view from the Parshendi, I would have had no idea. I probably would have guessed it was some epic, poetry from some in-world author or something like that you know a, a book or a collection of of works maybe but but now that we've seen the parshendi and we know that they have a bunch of different rhythms like the rhythm of peace and the rhythm of reprimand and all the, those other ones rhythm of war seems to fit right into that so it, it also doesn't seem to be too much of a stretch that the rhythm of war is might be written down somewhere and so mm. perhaps it is a an in-universe book or
2: sheet music if you will perhaps
0: <laughs>
1: gotcha
2: one of For the local music store.
0: Yep. Yeah. right yeah one of the the things that's going on on twitter right now uh with a lot of people is they're tr- we're trying to figure out what the the fifth book is going to be called because we know we know the acronym because it's all the whole thing is a cat yeah the whole thing is katek so it's what yeah k o w t so yeah. we're we're all trying to figure out what the what the title of the last book's gonna be we're having a lot of fun with that but we're not there yet so we can talk about chapter 17 through 21 of words of radiance and paul do you have two words for these these chapters
2: I do, I do. So my two words for for the chapters we're going over are broken and courageous. Okay,
0: broken and courageous. Elliot, do you have two words to summarize these uh, these chapters?
1: I do. I have charisma and deception.
0: Okay. Charisma, deception, broken, and courageous. All right, let's discuss these words. Talk to me about broken and courageous Paul.
2: So broken is mostly referring to we have a flashback Shalon chapter. we do more it's not very long, but more of a complete chapter. It feels like then I believe it was chapter ten. was the first time we had that. Um, and we kind of see how Shalon, after the events that we had read up before, was kind of mentally broken. And she can't hardly, like, hold it together, almost. Like, she has a real hard time. And so that was mostly the reason why I chose that. Um, my other word, courageous, was mostly referring to Shalana in the present day, um, as she really steps out of her comfort zone and talks to a bunch of bandits and deserters and such uh, right. to persuade them. So. Took a great deal of courage. Gotcha. Elliot, do uh,
1: you want to explain your words a bit? Yeah, I do. And they're actually paired together despite being perhaps maybe a bit opposite. I had charisma and deception. And throughout this, throughout these chapters, at least the Shalon ones, I'm, I'm kind of skipping over the Kaladin one for for now. I can't really tie this into the the Kaladin one here. But as far as Shalon's story shalandra is starting to exercise her her skills in persuasion i think we've talked about persuasion over the last couple of episodes that we've had and ultimately in this episode in, in these chapters we get to see her really start to exert either an impressive amount of charisma or depending on how you look at it an impressive amount of deception and i honestly can't tell which it is at this point is she honestly inspiring these people that she's changing or is she really deceiving them and manipulating them just because they're weak-minded and she can get them to do what she wants them to so we'll we'll talk about this more as we go through it but it's an interesting interesting question for me right now about shallan gotcha
0: before we get too far and we'll talk about shallan kind of all at once here a little bit but let's talk about kaladin first and with this kaladin chapter chapter 18 comes a spell check and it's not a hard spell check but they say it differently than how I would imagine them saying it in the audiobook so I think Paul is going to get this one wrong and I think Elliot's going to incorrectly pronounce it if the audiobook is correct so this will be interesting uh, Elliot what is the name of Renarin's sword master
1: way to have a lot of faith in us there Trevor It's weird. It's it's weird, and I'll explain
0: it. I'll explain it once you guys reveal
1: to each other how you how you're pronouncing this. So I'm actually going to throw out two pronunciations of this word because there's the way I want it to be pronounced, and there's the way I think it is pronounced. Okay. So the way I wish it would be pronounced is Zale. Okay. Zale, which is kind of funky, given how it's spelled, but I think that would be cool. How I actually think it's pronounced is Zahel. Okay.
0: Paul, do you remember how they say it in the
2: audiobook? I'm not 100%. I want to say it is close to Zahel. I honestly don't remember like 100% though. So
0: in the audiobook, they say Zile and they just full on go Zile. And do you. All right. How do they spell this, Paul?
2: So for Xyle, I I had Z A H E L. Wow.
0: okay. That is wow. correct. I, so when Bingo. I when I first read this book, I listened to it like you're doing Paul. And when I went back to read it, Sounds I thought like this was with a Z. I thought this was two different characters. Because there's no I and there's no E for anything to to give it the Xy Zy- part of that first that first syllable so it's z-a-h-e-l and they say zile but a lot of people say zile like they like zile yeah L like, like two almost two words like the first okay. zile yeah exactly <laughs> gotcha <laughs> ellie i do want to go back to what you wanted it pronounced as what, what can you say
1: that again for me I, I think it'd be cool if you just kind of ignored the H in the middle completely
2: and just said Zale. Gotcha. I kinda dig it. Yeah. I think Xyle is cool. Like the, I like this cool. Of actually. I I always think like my first thought was like Kyle with a Z, but like there's no way <laughs> that right. that it would be spelled like that. But um
0: Yeah, they they pronounce him Xyle in the in the audiobook, so. But he seems like a cool dude. It's appropriate that he has a cool name. He does have a cool name. He is. He is what, cool. What were you guys' thoughts on this chapter? Because I really actually enjoyed Chapter 18 a lot. Because the whole the whole scene here is really funny to me. It's, it's Renarin running up and down these stairs jumping off the top of the building and just, like, smashing his head on the sand over and over, and Kaladin and Xyle are trying to have, like, a, a serious conversation. And I, just, I can just imagine Renarin just, like, wee, poof, like, in
2: the background the whole time. I I really liked this. For one, it's really the first time we've gotten to see stuff with Renarin mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, we, we've heard a little bit of dialogue, and he's kind of been there. Um, and it's still nothing, like, amazing he's just running and jumping off a like cliff <laughs> right um but but it, it was really funny and uh like noted renoran he doesn't have like the the bra like natural brawn or skill of like a warrior or anything like that he's not the best swordsman like eaglen his brother uh but he kind of has like the the integrity and like the the fighting spirit, I guess, or the the willing spirit, if you will. And I think that's a really, really cool trait. So I, I actually really like Renarin and I thought it was cool. We get to see some of him.
1: I, I totally agree. This, this, I think, was the first time we get to learn about like who Renarin is. We, we've seen him before, we've seen him a bunch of times. Really, you know, I, I couldn't tell you what kind of a person Renarin is based on what we've seen before. Now we get to see this. As you said, Trevor, kind of comical scene where he's repeatedly just diving off the the roof of this place and and smacking his head on the ground, which is fine because he's in shard plate apparently. Right. But <laughs> I I thought this was good and and rather humorous humorous too with Renard there, and I I do like that about Renard, and I like that he's he's teachable, he he, learn and he's willing to just jump in and do it, even though he's. Maybe not quite the natural warrior that maybe someone like Adolin or Dalinar is.
0: Right. Something I want to highlight here is Kaladin and Renarin are actually the same age. They are both either nineteen or twenty at this point. I believe they're they're twenty, and it's pretty easy to forget that because I always imagine Renarin is younger than that, younger than Kaladin younger than Adolin for for sure, but the, the maturity level here of Kaladin is way higher than than Renarin, um, or at least the experience of, of battle, that type of thing. So,
1: so 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 say that again, Kaladin and Renarin are the same age? Correct. Okay. Gotcha. And then Adolin's a little like two or three years older than that. Yeah, I believe
0: Adolin is twenty-three at this time, and okay. Kaladin
2: and Renarin are 20. Got it. That's helpful. I did not realize that. I I'd always envisioned Renarin as like 14 or 15. Like, right. or about 15 or so. Uh,
0: yeah, and that's the... That's part of the, the problem here, is by now Renarin is certainly supposed to know how to fight, and he hasn't ever been trained because he has a blood weakness and he keeps freezing in in battle, so he's just starting now, and he's supposed to know all this stuff already.
2: Yeah.
1: So let's talk about Zael for a second here. Okay. It's going to be hard for me to say that name now and get get the other pronunciations out of my head. Right. Zael. Pre- okay.
0: Pre- uh, pretend that H is an
1: I and you'll, you'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely does it. Okay. So so Zael, he's an interesting character for me. He, he's a very interesting character and, and he, he, he's... He's a type of character I didn't realize existed and that's a warrior ardent. I didn't realize that that was like a, a thing. I thought that ardents were were just your scholar types or your your monks that go off to you know, remote places to, to study. now these are the, the warrior monks where they they dedicate themselves to sword play and, and battle tactics and whatnot and so this is this is cool I, di- I didn't realize that this was the thing.
0: I mean in a in a culture that's centered around warfare, you're allowed to have warrior monks, so here's our here's our swordmaster Ardent.
1: And interesting about Xyel too, how it's Kaladin notices that he doesn't have the what is it, the shaved head that yep. Ardents usually have. Yep. Like male or female, they usually have a, a shaved head. And and Zayel does not. And Kaladin kinda wonders why and the we didn't really get an answer i don't think in this chapter but the the impression i got was that he basically is he's he's so awesome and has such a reputation that like he gets to do what he wants kind of thing you know who he's he's so powerful and well known that no one's going to go tell him you know hey man you got to shave your head kind of thing and right he can grow his hair out if he wants to yeah the impression i get from
0: him is he's like he doesn't want to, and nobody's going to to stop him. Right? Like, who who are you to tell me to shave my head? That's stupid. I'm not going to. Kaladin and Adolin have a run in in this chapter. do we, Do we want to talk about talk about this little duel that they
2: have? That's what I was actually kind of excited to talk about. Uh, I thought it was it was really cool just to kind of like see them interact in general. Um, we haven't had a whole lot. We've had some dialogue, um, but for the most part, eh, not much. Um, it, it was really cool to kind of see them face off a little bit, and we kind of get an insight almost to what Kaladin thinks when he's fighting a shard bear, mm-hmm. which I also thought was interesting. Um, yeah, I'm curious to hear. Elliot's thoughts on it in general before moving on but later it was kind of a big kind of a big deal if you know what I mean yeah
1: definitely I didn't have too many thoughts on this I mean this seems to be the 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 culmination of some conflict that's been brewing for a little while now between Kaladin and and Adolin They, they don't seem to get along very well. They just kind of rile each other for, for different reasons. You know, Kaladin sees Adolin as another example of a spoiled light eyes, who's had everything in life handed to him and doesn't know how to earn anything. And and Adolin sees Kaladin as that, you know, dark eyes who ordered him around on the battlefield and showed him up in front of his, his soldiers. And so he's got that, you know, they, they kind of both have a chip on their shoulders towards each other. And, and finally it, it snaps and, I forget exactly how it starts, but but Adolin kind of you know heckles Kaladin, and Kaladin just charges him. Which it, you gotta think like, how stupid can you be, man? He's standing there in shard plate with a with a shard blade, and you're gonna just pick your spear up and and charge at him. But that that's classic Kaladin, right? He just kind of does that kind of stuff. He he's he's not afraid to just jump in and, and take
2: on the challenge. The bigger the better, right? sure and he definitely like i think it's kind of interesting because Kaladin's job is like to protect his father (laughs) and yep he's he just like doesn't care at all about adolin at all (laughs) not not really at least um I, i thought it was really interesting kind of moving on from there that while they're fighting Kaladin sucks in some stormlight, and then it kind of just, like, vanishes, and he, like, loses his strength while he's charging at him. And I was curious to, to hear what y'all think about that. Syl mentions, at least it's noted, that, that he wasn't trying to protect anyone. And right. so, are there limits to his surge binding that he can, like, only use it for good, I guess? Or maybe that wasn't onerous of him, so... Since is an honor sprint, she kinda took his powers away. You know, you're grounded. So Right. <laughs> yeah. Um So I was a little curious about that. I, I don't know entirely what to make of that. If it's super serious or or what.
1: Yeah, this that seemed like a, a little revelation there, that Sill at least seems to be somewhat in control of his powers and has it seems like she has an off switch for, for his powers, which is interesting. I, I, we always knew that Syl was, was intricately part of, of the powers that, that Kaladin has, but apparently she can just decide, nope, I'm going to take those now, you're, you're, you're grounded. Sorry, you, you were, you were not using them responsibly, so now you're going to sit there and think about what you've done kind of thing. <laughs>
0: right. There's when he got his powers he said the first ideal, which is uh, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. But then when he actually started manifesting his powers is when he said the second ideal at the end of the Way of Kings, which is I will protect. And he's not protecting anyone here. He's just going after Adolin because he's riled up and hot-tempered and win, lose, or draw he's going to give his all and get like a kick Adolin in the chest or whatever he's trying to do and Syl's like excuse me what are we we doing here kids
1: (laughs) yep pretty much and Kaladin the scene is is interesting too because Kaladin's trying to be careful in not revealing his abilities to those around him he's trying he, he uses Stormlight like in this instance to give some increased strength and speed in order to fight Adolin, and then when Adolin does eventually send him flying across the, the arena, smashing into a wall that would seriously injure us, I think even Zael is, is quite worried at first about Kaladin, figuring he's going to have you know a bunch of broken bones and he you know stands up and shakes it off and he's fine because he had the stormlight to, to heal him. I think Helen's going to have to be a little careful because while, yes, he didn't use enough to like glow and maybe obviously show that he's using Stormlight, I think if he keeps doing this, if he keeps performing what people are going to begin to realize are superhuman feats, people are going to start putting the puzzle pieces together and realize that, yeah, there's something about you that's not normal. You know, you, right. can, you can only get thrown against a wall so many times before someone says, hey, you're not breaking. Something's up here.
0: It's in contrast just a couple pages previous of Renarin jumping off and being fine because of shard plate and then right. Kaladin isn't breaking him by getting tossed against the wall by a shard bearer and yeah, so you're right. If he keeps, if he keeps using his storm lights to heal himself and rely on that, then people are going to start asking questions exactly also to note is I'll just I'll just highlight that I'll bring Zeth back into this picture that our only known search binder widespread right now is is Zeth so and and I've brought that up before but just keep that in mind that Dalinar might be interested if Kaladin's search binding but other people might not be so uh so thrilled if they find out.
2: Zeth is always on my mind, but yes, thank you.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> it's been a while, so I, I just wanted to bring him back True. up and remind everyone that he's still here.
2: Yeah, we didn't get him in the interludes, so... We did not get him did in miss him. the interludes.
0: Alrighty. Do you guys want to talk about Shalon? Let's do it. Yes. All right. So backing up to chapter seventeen, and we'll tie I guess the rest of this episode together, kind of right here. She's on the way to the Shattered Plains with Tovlakov, and they see smoke in the in the distance. And Tovlokov thinks, well, they they won't really chase us because they can see that we're not that big of a threat. We don't have that much. But they but the the smoke and the bandits that are following them do end up, um, tracking them and they get closer and closer until the, or Tvlakov's convoy, Tvlakov's three wagons, sees smoke in front of them too. And so they're like, well, what do we do? We, we don't really have a choice here. We, I guess we have to go keep going forward and hope the friend, the smoke in front of us is friendly because they know the smoke behind them is not friendly. So they push forward and they find another caravan. Someone want to someone want to pick up pick up here.
1: Yeah, I actually I'll, I'll pick up there but I'll take it back a little bit. Sure. Uh, before before we get to the the caravan that they that they meet the the, the merchants that they come across. At first, they're just traveling along, and we meet a a new character. I, I forget if he's been mentioned before, but I, I think he has. Bluth mm-hmm. is is how I would pronounce that name. The one of the one of Tvalkov's men, and he he seems a, a rather you know unsavory character. You know nothing too likable about this guy, but Shalon draws him as the the first person she's adding back to her collection that she's lost because before remember she had this massive collection of drawings of all these people that she'd she'd met you know one of the very first things we we saw her do was draw a picture of of yob the the sailor guy who was with her in the back in the beginning of way of kings and how that was uh, a meaningful addition to her collection well she lost all of that when the ship sank when she sank the the ship by soul casting it, so now she has to start all over, and this is the first guy that she starts with. But it it seems very symbolic that she's taking a rather unsavory character and she draws him in such a way that he's depicted as a hero. He's depicted as someone, a, a soldier's uniform with you know the sun in a you know epic lighting or, or whatever it's described as in her her picture. And and even though he's not really that person, she sees that in him, and so she. She draws him that way, and that has kind of interesting implications for where Bluth ends up here by the by the end of this episode that we'll talk about in a, in a little bit. But an interesting and, and rather symbolic way I felt to restart her collection of sketches, right?
0: It's doesn't pattern have a comment about it that the the sketch she's doing isn't 100% true. And he and he likes that about it, that yeah the the sketch is almost a lie that Bluth isn't actually that that soldier, but Shalons like no, this is how I wanted to draw him.
2: Yeah, I think you're right, and I I don't know how I got this image. Maybe it's because of that actually. I'm whenever listening to this, I always thought of Bluth just as a hero, kind of not super important. But maybe it's because of that, like she depicted him very well. Um, but in reality, he was not the best guy, you know. Right? He, he he's not like a Dalinar Cohen, obviously. Uh, but I, I always thought of him, I guess, in a positive light. I don't fully know why, but. Maybe that's why. Maybe her drawing stuff worked on me. Who knows? (laughs) It
0: does have interesting implications for later because she uses kind of something similar on the bandits. Or on the. Sorry. The deserters. Mercenaries. that, That catch up to them. And. She's, she gives them this speech, and we're kind of jumping af- ahead here, in, but I'll go ahead with it. She gives them this speech, imagining that they're the soldiers that they once were, not the, the deserters that she knows they are. So she's, she's trying to appeal to their honor as soldiers that she knows they had at one point, and it works. All these soldiers are like, yeah, there's people in trouble. We'll go defend them. That's what soldiers do. That's what we used to do. I want to do that. And most of the soldiers, besides maybe Votha, um, who just goes along with it because that's what everybody else is doing, they they're persuaded by that. Of this is who you could be. This is who I know you
1: were. Act like it. I'll I'll go ahead and read it, a section actually from it from exactly that scene because I think this is really pivotal. It, what happens in in chapter we're we're jumping ahead to chapter twenty now, where we get the scene where Shalon goes back towards the the deserters and then and then convinces them once she's kind of given her initial speech, I think this ends up being Vatha. But a man steps forward out of the mercenaries and says, "Brightness, we aren't what you think we are." No, Shalon replied. You aren't what you think yourselves to be. And that's. That's really interesting to me and really plays into the greater theme here. I felt of Shalane is, Shalon is changing these people or she's awakening something in these people that's maybe hidden behind who they think they are, or she's, she's digging through the mud to find the gem just like with Bluth. She, she looks at the guy who's, he's a, a slaver basically, mm-hmm. but she depicts him as a hero and ultimately he kind of ends up being a hero. I mean, he dies a very honorable death, if you will, in trying to save the the merchants that they they come that they they meet up with here uh, pretty soon. But with these men, she's doing the, the same thing like you're saying, Trevor. She's she's telling them, you know, be who you used to be, find that soldier within. But I, this is where I'm caught. This is where I'm caught in my charisma versus deception. Is this Shalon, inspiring these men to awaken and aspire to something greater than they are or is she really just kind of manipulating them into doing what she needs them to do in the moment right she's using her illumination to do this she's putting on an image that's not her in the moment she's putting on this you know regal depiction of hers it even it describes it as like she's working in sounds into this as well. There's a scene where like when she when she emphasizes all oh, the the innocent people are getting murdered like the sound of that starts to wash over all of them. And so is that manipulation and deception well, like kind of maybe I right. I'm on the fence
0: here. Manipulating them to do something
1: honorable. Right. Paul? and I feel like this is this is a great like comparison to pattern and Shalon as well like pattern loves truths and lies, and lies are good and lies are bad and it's like well, sort of
2: right, okay, so I do want to chime in on this because. I kind of like these ethical questions about Shalon. Like, is what she's doing good or bad or what? Um, so she's obviously she obviously did a great job with the persuasion of the deserters. Like, very effective. Uh, she kind of inspired everyone except his name escapes me. But the the main one who Vata. was staunchly against her, yeah um he didn't want to that's fine but everyone else went so it was a big win um and i think it's actually both like persuasion and manipulation because she's i I think of manipulation at least of like getting people to do things for your personal gain in a sense um usually in like a bad way like where you gain from them like their detriment almost um and persuasion is like could be like you both it could be a win-win even you know um things like that and so it kind of is because she's persuading them to be honorable which is awesome um but i wonder if it comes from the wanting to do right or the wanting to get to the Shattered Plains and get out of this mess that she's in, which is understandable for sure. Um But yeah, I, I think it like it's overall good, but she's still on thin ice, you know, right. <laughs> My former biggest villain of the way of Kings. I was going to bring, I was going to bring that <laughs> up. Still do, on you, thin ice. <laughs> yeah. do you still think um, Shalan is the villain? Not the villain, Uh huh. definitely not the villain, but her, her motives are still like wishy washy, you know, I'm not sold on her motives, even though I actually really like Shalon now. We even did like a poll in our discord and I, well, it wasn't a poll, but a thing, you know, and mm. I said that <laughs> Shalon, I chose Shalon over Kaladin, which is a big step, but um Yeah.
1: I, I like Paul how you said she's. I think you said this. She's on thin ice. I think where she's at right now. She's she's wielding now what's turning out to be an impressive power. You know, much like something like a shard blade. A shard blade is incredibly powerful, but you can choose to use it for good or for devastating evil. And Shalana, I think, is going to have to be a little bit careful with this newfound power that she has. If she's able to influence people like this to get them to do what she wants. In this instance, she does help them to make a very honorable decision and really kind of redeem themselves in a way. But she can very easily find herself used for not so honorable ends. I'm real curious to see if that's going to become a temptation for her as we go forward. Right.
0: More, more deception and less motivation type thing.
1: Exactly. So jumping back, back to seventeen, chapter seventeen to hit a thought I had there. We learn we learn more about SPREN, which I, I'm always quick to key into anytime we look get some more nuggets of, of information about spren. And Pattern is able to to share with us some some good info. There was a, a whole page of, of really good info actually in uh, in this chapter. And the interesting bit though that dropped in this chapter that caught my eye was pattern thinks that Shallan is going to kill him and Shallan, just like me is a little shocked by this like what I'm not gonna kill you pattern <laughs> and he kind of he kind of drops this hint or is at least making me think that did the did the radiance of old the, the the Knights radiant that that threw down their swords and their their armor and forsook the the way of the Knights radiant. Did they, by doing that, kill their Spren? Is that what happened? Is that what Pattern knows of and is afraid is going to happen to him?
0: Hmm. Is that a question Uh, or a prediction?
2: I, I, I don't know yet. Paul? I think it is. Well, obviously, it has to be tied to the Knight's Radiant. Unless it's something else much bigger that we don't really know about yet, I would say it has to be tied to the Night's Radiant because, as far as we know, that's the last time that humans and Spren were like a thing. They were like, you know, involved in each other's lives, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it definitely has to be that. I don't know if specifically, like, when was it the Day of Reckoning, whenever they all threw down their shard blades and quit. Um, I don't know if that's what killed the spren. I'm not entirely sure. Or if it was kind of almost like, it could almost be like a neglect thing. Like, they just never, they refuse to use their powers and maybe somehow the spren kind of dies off, in a sense. Um, I don't know if that's possible. Maybe. Um, but it, it definitely has to be tied to that. I don't know how.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in maybe territory on this too. I, I don't know if I have enough here to make a, any kind of prediction, but I'm kind of in, you know, what if mode of you know, what if on that day, the Knights, you know, somehow broke their bond with the, the spread. And in this chapter pattern talks about how spread need, that they need a human to give them life i think the word he uses is sapience which which is a good word it's he he's a thought right but and he needs a human to give him life or like existence kind of sort of at least in the physical realm right and so did when the knights laid down their 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 swords and walked away did they somehow like break that bond therefore taking away that life from their, their spren. And I think we've had mentioned before about the spren feel betrayed mm-hmm. from the past. I just vague hints about that. We don't have any specifics, but the spren somehow they, they think there was some sort of betrayal. Maybe that was it. Maybe they were kind of cast back into this, not non-existence, but lesser existence or existence with, with only thought and no life. And, they, they view that as, you know, being killed and that's what Pattern thinks is going to happen to him. Not answers,
2: but wonderings. I, the the one that I'm pretty convinced of at the moment is so effectively with humans giving life to Spren, um So whenever we first met Syl, she was very simple-minded. Um, she kind of knew her name and she was kind of that was it. And she it kinda you know, she's developed more and more. And now she seems fully online, I guess I don't know, fully functioning. <laughs> right. Really uh animated and stuff. And Pattern is kinda being the same way. At first he just kinda buzzed. And now he'll he's starting to talk more and more. It's making more sense each time. Um I expect to see a similar growth there. And I think I guess with it's almost like when the spren joins with a human its they're kind of like born into the physical world and so it takes a while for them to like learn how to communicate and like you know all that stuff obviously and so i definitely think that's like pretty legitimate like i think just about any spren i guess could could do that um and like develop into a soul just about, but it just like takes that time, you know? So something that I've kind of want to
0: kind it's kind of a tangent on this, but you guys do have enough information. I won't be presenting any new information here, but I will be ironing out something. So if you guys remember way back in the way of Kings, we had an interlude and Paul, you said it was the least interesting interlude. We had our two old Ardents, and they were talking about flame spren. And one of the Ardents measures this spren with a ruler and says, it's three and a quarter inches or something. And the spren freezes. It's now three and a quarter inches, as opposed to being a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger, just being a spren. And then Shalon, on the ship, when she finally sees pattern and takes a memory, and then writes... On the page, this is like what she sees. Pattern becomes that pattern on the page. That is now pattern. And spren are from the cognitive realm and have to do with human thought. So spren are kind of defined as what the human perceives them as. So the human thinks, okay, this spren is three and a quarter inches tall. That spren is literally now three and a quarter inches tall. And it can, it will not change because the humanists thought about it that way, and they're from the, because co- the friends from the cognitive realm. That's like life to them. Pattern is kind of this moving pattern based on this drawing that Shallan wrote because that's how Shalon thinks of him. Sill's a little bit different, but you kind of understand what I'm trying to get at here is the because they're from the cognitive realm they kind of feed off of these human impressions of them.
2: Yeah, so Spren are really whatever we want them to be. Right, guess, exactly. Whatever you want them to be. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah, all that makes makes sense. It's it's starting to help me get an understanding of what Spren are, but I feel like there's still more unknowns than there are knowns. But we're starting we're starting to piece together a bit of a picture of, of what spren really are.
0: And if a, a spren has been seen as a stick its entire life, it's gonna it's gonna maintain being a stick <laughs> its stick. entire really? life. So it's a stick.
2: a stick. I was gonna say, oh, actually that reminds me very I'm actually glad you said that. In our chapter that we talked about persuading the deserters um, it seems that Shallan is, or I guess the, I don't know what you'd call it, the trueness to self of the stick is stronger than it was with those deserters. You know, they were very easily, well, That's in true. comparison, very easily persuaded, but the stick would not budge. Shalon could not, could not best the stick with her persuasion.
1: It, cool. It's funny you mentioned that, Paul, because I had a note on it, but now I'm now I think I wrote down the wrong page number. But there, there's a moment too in I think it's chapter twenty where it's got to be Shalon and Pattern talking, but I don't honestly remember who. But they're they're talking about you know you you changed them, and Shalon's like, well, I didn't soul cast anything. It's like, well, you, you still changed them. And in, in kind of a similar way as when she soul casts, when she goes to Shadesmar and, and has an argument with a stick to try and persuade it in a similar way, she persuaded the deserters to become heroes or soldiers or however you however you want to look at it. And so while it's not like metaphysical change, it is in a way a change of some sort.
0: Any other Spren thoughts before we
1: get a Shallan flashback chapter? One more Spren thought, or Sprenish thought, because it's in, in the same conversation as the the one we were just talking about with the, the Knight's Radiant and, and Pattern getting killed. In that same conversation, Shallan kind of ends it with, well, well, I would never do that because I'm not a Knight's Radiant. And Pattern kind of responds with, you said the oath, and then she remembers, Shalon for a second, a brief second, remembers and starts to think the first lines of the first ideal. I, again, lost my, my page number, but she starts to think the life before death as if she's remembering again something from her kind of suppressed memories. So is there some point in her past where she's already said the, the first ideal that, that we saw Kaladin say when he first used? Or kind of around the time when he first used his his ability, it seems like Shalon's already had that moment. When actually, I was waiting for that moment to come when she would say that. But this seems to hint that that's already come and gone, which is interesting.
2: I don't quite. I don't actually remember that, but that's actually really cool. I do have, I do have another thought. Spren about Spren. My biggest thought now. With Trevor, with your comparison t- with the sprint and the old interlude, you know, if I say the sprint is four inches long, that sprint is literally four inches long, right? Um, if you think of it that way. Um, and I'm wondering about sill now. I think you said specifically not to worry about sill. I'm worried <laughs> about sill. So, um, I think that sill is like that maybe the spread I've said this before that the spread might be like who that person needs. If that makes sense. Um, Sylphrena has a great contrast to Kaladin who's very like down in the dirt on himself often. Sure. Um, and Sil is more a, a beat, like it's all good. Like, let me cheer you up for in general. Um, don't fully know the comparison between, Shalon and pattern, if there is one if if so, then I would say it's about truths and lies, obviously, and how uh, like events in her past have kind of shaped her or affected her, and kind of using that um rather than running from it in a way um, and I think still may. Be Syl like the way she is the way she appears to Kaladin because of just like an unconscious like what Kaladin kind of needed I guess like what, what Kaladin needed in his life Right. that's probably like how she appeared to him um, and with Shalana, I don't fully know that she's such like an analytical mind and a thinker that pattern seems to be way more like Cut and dry, but I think still for Kaladin, I don't know. He kind of needed this whimsical little sprite, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's my guess, but I I I kind of like how it feels like we have more rules for Spren at the moment. A few like a little more. It's like instead of being a room of, I don't know, loose thoughts, and now it's like a box. Kinda. I feel like we're starting to narrow Sprint down a little bit. So I'm really happy about that. But that is my only other thought about that.
1: I like it. Makes sense. And
0: then right when you think you know what's going on. No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> oh, I know everything. Don't worry. Don't worry.
0: We do get a Shalon flashback chapter. We want to talk about Shalon's family issues.
2: I think that'll be all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> See y'all next week. I'm kidding. No, I actually loved this chapter. Um, if uh, if I can't go ahead and and hop into it a little bit, the reason I liked this chapter specifically. Um the only as far as i remember the only other shalon flashback we've had was chapter 10 which was kind of just a dark scene followed by a fairly creepy lullaby um it it was just questions there weren't don't we there may have been one answer and we kind of know we get a glimpse of the traumatic event that we assumed happened in shalon's past um but this chapter, we actually get to learn some more from conversations and, and seeing things. And I was really excited for it. I, w- I was very excited listening to this chapter. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Elliot. Um, I don't know how deep you dove into it or what. Um, I, yeah. I like this
1: chapter quite a bit. I do think there's... I do think there's a lot here, actually, that, that may help us out. There's a few different things that we learn here that aren't maybe obvious at first, but as you as I was reading it through the second time, I kind of was realizing, ooh, this could have this could have implications. And I, I think the first honestly is we meet another one of, of Shalon's brothers. The, his name is Non Helleran Helleran.
0: N- yeah. Non Nan is a is a title. It means eldest. Um,
1: and Helleran is his name. Helleran, Okay. And and that's exactly where I was going with it too, because I I remembered that Nan is the title, meaning eldest. But we know from previous other events we've seen that Nan Balot is Shalon's current eldest brother. Well, correct. If she had a previously eldest brother, clearly this guy is going to die. At some point and so that Balat then becomes the eldest brother after helleran dies so that's interesting to to learn right there the second thing that's fascinating here is that at the end of the chapter helleran whips out a shard blade again back to my theory on these things are way more popular than you've <laughs> been led to believe we were we were told that these things were super rare but it seems like everyone in literally the everybody has one, has so, one. yep right Anyway, Helleran whips out the shard blade and faces down their father, almost takes him down right there. But notice that from everything we've, we've learned about their father, I would think if he had a shard blade, he would draw it in that moment. If his you know son is bearing down, it's described as he goes you know, white with fear. He thinks his son's going to kill him right there. If he had a shard blade, he would have drawn it. Which means, which tells me he doesn't have one. That changes the whole story for me. If, if Shallon's father doesn't have a shard blade, where did she get hers? And what happened back in that chapter 10 that we saw, if we saw a death of her mother, which we thought was by a shard blade, but if her father doesn't have one, who had the shard blade that did the killing? I love Paul's reactions.
0: I I love them so much as (laughs) you're, as you're explaining it, Paul's just like, wait,
1: wait. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that, that changes, that changes everything. So I did notice the non helloran thing. I did not remember that that meant oldest. Uh, I definitely remember non-Balat, but it didn't make that connection, which that is very telling. That that's that's really good because that's such a small detail, but that is very like explicitly like telling you know. Now, um, now it's
1: possible that Shalon's father perhaps has a shard blade, but has some really good self control and doesn't draw it here, perhaps. But that seems
2: unlikely. That seems really unlikely. True. I I would I could definitely believe him having a shard blade still, but you have a point like. He he seemed like the guy who had just pulled his shard blade out right then. Like if he's tested at all, um, so yeah, and, and that makes me wonder. Like, so I don't remember fully. I know we talked about chapter ten a while, like for a while, and talked about like was it the dad who killed them, like who killed ev- everyone there? Um, but now it's like, was it Helloran? Maybe non Helleran, um, right? Who or does Shalon they... already have the shard
1: blade? Does 11 year old Shalon have a shard blade? Like, how
2: did that happen? Yeah, <laughs> they do talk about it. I don't remember all the specifics, but they talk about that night. Some the reason one briefly going back to one of my words broken, uh, for this week, uh, was mostly for. It was a conversation between Halloran and Shalon. So Hellerin is about to leave and Shalon is drawing and she keeps drawing like that scene and like the dead bodies on the ground. Um, and he's like, Hey, you need to stop that. <laughs> that's not, that's not a great Don't hobby. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's obvious that Shalon is very traumatized from that. Uh, side note. Do y'all know how long this is after that night? Does it say I don't remember.
0: It does give you a timestamp. I believe it's a. I believe it's six months later.
2: Okay. Um. See, so yeah, obviously Shalon is very, very like upset, and that that memory is just like ingrained into her mind. Um. Which really had I gained a lot of sympathy, I guess, for Shalon with that. Um, just thinking, you know, about just a child who's like obviously very troubled by it um, is very sad um, but yeah I, I'm I always love how yeah, it makes these connections because <laughs> that's I, very... I'm feeling the Shalon I'm
1: feeling the Shalon sympathy too actually because she's in this scene but then also in present day Shalon she's she's actively suppressing her memories of this like she's doing everything she can not to think about what happened and i just can't i can't help but i can't help but think is this is is this a simple just defense mechanism of she's so traumatized by it she doesn't she can't think of it or she doesn't want to think about it or is maybe something else kind of going on here like we we've seen dalinar dalinar has no memories of his his wife his, his his wife who died like something magical is is happening there where he cannot remember her he cannot even remember her name even when people tell it to him right and so now i'm getting to the point actually where i'm starting to wonder if there's something maybe magical going on here with Shalon is did something happen during this traumatic event that's like scarred her memory like physically scarred it such that the memory's not there or part of it's not there or it's distorted somehow or is it just a simple she's so traumatized by it she does everything she can not to think about it i'm i'm not really sure there but yeah i'm feeling for shalon right now definitely it
0: killed her thought spread on the topic and she can't remember it now
1: she's lost her thought spread mhm I, is that like losing your uh, your train of thought is is the metaphor in in this world losing your, my your thoughts friend, friend. I've I've yeah. lost my marbles I've lost my thought sprint
2: Yeah exactly I, If I had to give my guess about that I actually do think this is just like a simple more simple thing I don't think like something happened that like like cursed her into like distorting this memory we don't know what happened there. If she witnessed a murder, we don't know if something happened. If there is some form of magic involved, then I would guess it's something that could have, like I don't know, possessed her or convinced her to kill people, Um, and that would be why she's scarred. Um, but either way, it's like this memory is just ingrained in her mind, and I think it's just as simple as that, but it could very well be more. Um, but yeah, I, I was excited because I felt like this chapter gave some some answers. Um, total, well, not a total side note, but a side note, in that conversation with Halloran and Shalon, I also really liked that um, he was really encouraging to her and how he was like he even references I guess Balat had his bad habits or bad tendencies back then as well. Uh, he talked about that he gave him a, a pet and he was not very kind to it, which was very sad. Yeah, uh. he
1: he does seem like the most normal, if you will, of the the Devar children. Like he seems like a likable guy. You're right. He seems like he he generally wants to help Shalon where she's at. She, he's trying to be encouraging, and he he gives her a, a sketchbook or whatever he does, or
2: paper or whatever it is, mm-hmm. charcoal he's and like pencils. He's the best yeah. big brother. Like yeah, the, totally. The perfect big brother, you know? Which leads me
1: into what is an, perhaps an ironically sad theory that I have about Helleran. As if the, the theories and connections I, I had from this chapter weren't enough, I've actually got a, a crazy other theory about Helleran. So Helleran in this chapter, it, it's it's a multi-part theory here. Helleran in this chapter is is leaving. He's going away for... A long time, we get the impression he's not going to be back for a while, and he he makes some sort of mention of my newfound friends are doing important things or something like that, and that immediately gets me thinking, Ghost Bloods maybe we've seen we've seen before. Shalon's family has some sort of ties with them or some sort of kind of interaction with them. Is he in with them and is now you know going off to. Help them in whatever they're doing, you know, in the, the grander scale of things. That's step one. Step two, back in Way of Kings, when we see Kaladin kill a Shard Bear, win a Shard Blade, takes it from him. That iconic scene where Amaram betrays him, kills all his men, all of that. There's a brief part of that, and I had to go back and read it, where Amram is talking with his men about who was this Shardbearer. We, there weren't supposed to be any Shardbears of this battle. Who, who is he and where did he come from? All they conclude is that he's Vaden. I have very little to base this on, but I wonder, and I, I'd, I'd be even willing to hazard a prediction here. I think that Shardbearer was Shallan's brother, Helloran. You think Kaladin killed Shallan's brother? I think he did.
2: I really like it. (laughs) I think that's...
1: (laughs) It's exciting and interesting and then terrible all at the same time. Right.
2: That that is very Stormlight Archive fashion. You know? Right.
0: (laughs) So so let, let me get this straight. You think... Kaladin killed Shallan's br- older brother, who everyone's supposed to like, to defend Amaram, who then backstabs
1: Kaladin. To- all right, just There's wanted to exactly. Yep. And to be fair, I-, I have one one small little shard of evidence for this. The we get a description of the sort of the shard blade that uh, that Heloran draws the description of that shard blade is similar to the description of the shard blade that that Kaladin gives as he's you know seeing the shard bear charge him but it kind of on the flip side of that the description we get of that is is similar to a lot of kind of shard blades that we've had they're described as having these like wave-like or or like flame-like designs on right. them like I think Oathbringer Dalinar's sword is actually derived, described in a similar way as well but so it, it's very very small but
2: wouldn't that be crazy if that was the the truth? That would be because Shallan's on way to the Shattered Plains where Kaladin and Amaram are. And we know Kaladin has a lot of beef with Amaram, and so you know, something happens, he pulls out a shard blade, Shallan sees that's Hellaran's. What's going on here? You know, well, I'm assuming she knows. That he's not here but if she saw that she would be very it wouldn't bring up good memories for her so
1: that, that's a good point i was as you were just saying that it could give some credibility be, well,
0: to kaladin
2: yes
1: ooh very that ve- would
2: ooh that would
1: very interesting as you were saying that paul my first thought was going to be well they'd never know right you know Hellron just kind of went off and was was killed they may never make that connection but the shard blade could be that connection if Shallan is able to recognize it.
2: Ooh. I really want this to be the case. All right, a lot of good Write stuff, this one guys. Down. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely remember that one. I like it.
0: All right. Any any closing thoughts from this episode? Those are some good theories, guys.
1: That's it for me, Chief. Nothing other, no, nothing else, earth-shattering and predicting or, or craziness. But Gaz is back. We, we meet Gaz, who's <laughs> apparently part of the the deserters. Yep, that Shalon is able to persuade to to save the day. I was not expecting that one.
0: True.
1: Elliot East really
0: just bringing back it back a long time ago. You thought Gaz was dead because we hadn't we hadn't heard from Gaz for a while and we find out now that he deserted with some of his friends and now she's joined or now he's joined shallan to get to the shattered Plains. who's
1: there kaladin
0: <laughs>
1: sadius this reunion is there scene right th- this reunion scene of of shallan getting to the shattered Plains is just getting awkwarder and awkwarder the more like we're learning and, and the groups are building right like now we have shallan